I think it's more about people thinking about how it benefits them instead of how it benefits not just them, but everybody else as well. Mostly them. <laughs> but mostly them. Lam- Lamborghini. <laughs> the Lamborghini, bro. I don't know what it is about this Lamborghini. Everybody wants it. I mean, I know what it is. It goes, it goes, you feel like you're on a roller coaster when you ride that thing. Literally, like your the guts in your body just like come up to your neck and you're like, oh my God. Like, this is this is wild. Welcome to another episode of Light with Bitcoin, where we delve into the human side of Bitcoin by focusing on Bitcoiners' personal transformation and their life stories. I'm your host, Vivian Chain. Thanks for tuning in. Today, who will be joining us is Internet Sophie. She's a singer, songwriter, content creator, and of course, a Bitcoiner. If you had it on Twitter, there's a chance you've already seen her viral cover of Richmond, North of Richmond music video. Uh, she's also creating short form, very engaging interviews and cultural videos for Simply Bitcoin. Sophie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Vivian. I'm so glad to be here. Let's start with yourself. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your life leading to when you discovered Bitcoin? So I am a Miami native. I was born and raised here in Miami, Florida. Um, As far as my professional life, I went to NYU for a recorded music degree at the Clive Davis Institute of Recorded Music. After that, I wanted to learn my family business. And so I went and worked in the Dominican Republic. And I also lived in Puerto Rico for a little while. And all throughout that time that I was working in the DR and living in in Puerto Rico, I learned about Bitcoin through Nico and through Simply Bitcoin. Um, And so when I started to learn about Bitcoin and I started to learn about the implications that it had not just on the financial sector, but also on every other facet of life, I decided I wanted to become involved. I had gotten kind of disenchanted with the idea of participating in the music industry as it is right now, because the industry, like, in my opinion, is a little bit demonic and it's a little bit tainted. I think that Hollywood is kind of the same. So I kind of see Bitcoin as this opportunity to start over and to start um, on this proof of of proof. And to start on this proof of work standard instead of a proof of stake standard, which is what I feel like every huge industry is based off right now. So I started working with Nico. I started working with Simply Bitcoin and working on their short form content because aside from music, I love creating content. I am a content creator myself. Um, For those of whom who are not familiar yet with Nico, would you tell us what he does and uh, uh, who is he? So Nico Moran is my fiance and my baby daddy. We're expecting a child in February. We're very excited about that. Um, And he is also the host of Simply Bitcoin, which is one of the biggest Bitcoin only YouTube channels out there right now. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. How long you've been into Bitcoin? Nico got started into Bitcoin like in 2015, 2016. And um, that's actually around the same time that we started talking again, because for those of you who don't know, like we were going out when we were 14 years old. Oh, wow. And then we broke up and we kind of like lived our own lives. When we came back together, it was 2016. 
And he started talking to me about Bitcoin this and Bitcoin that. And I was like, I don't know about this. And it took me two years to get orange pilled. I was skeptical for two whole years. I had bought Bitcoin even though I was skeptical. But for me to really understand it, it kind of took me having to leave to another country and understand how the banking system works and understand why a technology like Bitcoin is so necessary for the everyday man. And did you remember your initial reaction when Nico started talking about it? Oh, God, I was like, this sounds <laughs> like a scam, which, to be fair, in my defense, it's the reaction that a lot of people have when they hear about Bitcoin. They're like, oh, not this again. It kind of sounded like the next tech stock. The part that really orange pilled me about it was like, nobody's in charge of it and nobody can take it away from you. So when I understood that nobody could take it away from you, I was like, wait a minute, let me look into this a little bit more. And and I went down the rabbit hole and I and I kind of got more interested and I became more open minded. Do you remember what piece of information that really nailed in that final impression so that you, you then take the initiative to go down the rabbit hole yourself? For me, it was learning about self-custody. So it was learning about the fact that not only... Um, anybody couldn't take it away from you. And I learned about like the the 256 security thing or whatever that like the military uses that, you know, if someone hacks into that, we're going to have way bigger problems than, you know, just someone taking your Bitcoin. Someone could literally hack into the government and start a nuclear war if someone figures out how to hack into that. Uh, or SHA, what's it called? SHA-256? Um, that's like the, the security measure or whatever that they use to, to encrypt Bitcoin, I believe. And, you know, for all the nerds out there, I'm sorry, I'm not technical. My thing is social media, but, um, that's what I understood. And so that was a big part of it for me. And the other part of it for me was that you didn't have to ask anyone for permission and that was a huge realization to me because I I always thought like as a very privileged American that you didn't have to ask people to use your money. Like you didn't have to ask the bank. You didn't have to ask the government. Like the reality is that you kind of do. Um, if you want to make a big transaction or if you want to send money to whatever, you have to say why you're sending it. You have to say your mm -hmm. reason. You have to explain yourself. And I just... I'm a very rebellious person, so I like by nature, so I I didn't like that at all. And just the fact that Bitcoin allows you to say F you to all of those people asking you why and, you know, charging you for it at the same time because they charge you fees. It was an incredibly empowering feeling. And for the couple of years leading to the point you were fully entrepreneurial, did the fact that he was constantly trying to talk to you about Bitcoin affected your judgment about the person? Because I'm sure there are a lot of people out there who are Bitcoiners themselves and they're trying to entrepreneur their partner. But if the, the relationship is not solid enough, they're maybe concerned about if this is going to affect their, their partner's judgment about themselves. So did you experience similar things? But given you've been, you've known him for so long, um, what was it like? Yeah, that's kind of the thing. We've, since we've known each other, since we were kids, I kind of, I was very patient. 
<laughs> and I was like, okay, just explain it to me more, whatever. Like, I'm here <laughs> to listen. But really, it did get to that point where I would bring up something completely unrelated to finance. <laughs> and he would be like, you know what would fix that? I'm like, don't say it. I'm going to say it. Don't say it. Bitcoin would fix that. I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> I don't want to hear the word Bitcoin again in my life. But but then I realized it was important. I, I understood retrospectively what he was trying to tell me all of these years and why he was so obsessed with it. I was like, I didn't understand it at first. But then if you just here's the thing, if somebody is really passionate about something, especially the person you love, if they're really passionate about something, whatever it is, even I mean, outside of Bitcoin, and they keep talking about it and talking about it and talking about it. And if you really love them, like the very least you owe them, I think, is to like look into it yourself and try to understand it yourself, because that's the person you love and you're in their interest should, you know, maybe align with your values and your interests as well. And more often than not, if they're the right person for you, they will. Hindsight, was there something that you wished he did or did not say or do to help you better understand Bitcoin or through this process faster and better? So Nico is a very blunt person. And with that means that he just doesn't sugarcoat anything. And I think that in essence, part of the orange pill, like think about the color orange. The color orange has a little bit of red in it, right? So it has a little bit of that red pill vibe, which is the truth. And sometimes the truth is difficult to swallow. And that was the case for me, actually, like it was it was very difficult for me to accept that all of these institutions that I grew up thinking were correct and were guiding me in the right direction and like this sense of security that I had my whole life was actually all an illusion and so to be honest I wouldn't change anything or any of the ways that he explained Bitcoin to me because I think that a firm hand and like a firm method of explaining these things is necessary in order for for things to get through to you. One of the things that I always say in um, a live stream that I have on TikTok called um, Satoshi's Angels, I do it uh, every Wednesday with uh, with these girls from Bitcoin Magazine, Andrea and Isa, is that it's going to take something very catastrophic for the masses to understand how Bitcoin really is important in their lives. And um, and so I wouldn't change anything about the way that he explained it to me. I think he did a really great job. And if he hadn't been if he if it hadn't been this urgent, it might have taken me like five or six years to be orange pilled instead of two. Uh, what advice would you give to Bitcoiners out there who are trying to orange pill their partner? Use real life examples and let experience support your what you're saying. So Nico had explained all of these things to me, but what really ended up solidifying uh, what he was saying to me was the fact that I, I, I lived it. I lived it in the Dominican Republic when I had to ask a bank for permission to transact with money that was from my company. I was like, oh, my God, everything he told me was like totally correct. And that builds credibility. So let experience back up what you're saying. Eventually it will because everybody has been there 
and um, and then you know you'll you'll build some credibility and and they'll understand where you're coming from more. What is Bitcoin to you? Bitcoin to me is a lot of things, but the thing that it mostly is is freedom. It's freedom from all of these powers that be who try to control us. Like a lot of people don't realize how in control other people are of their lives. And so Bitcoin is a way to escape from those people's grasps. And I think that that is, I mean, the internet in a way is freedom as well. It's freedom of information and Bitcoin latching on to, you know, the, the powers of the internet is freedom, financial freedom. Do you think Bitcoin have changed you in any way? Yes. Um, I definitely don't spend as much money as I did before. I have very much a savings mentality now instead of a spending mentality. I used to think, oh, like the more I spend, the more points I get on a credit card or, you know, the more I travel, the more miles I get so then I could travel more. And it was like this more, 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 more economy in my head that, that you know, was fueling not just unhappiness, but lack of purpose. And so when I decided to like be a Bitcoiner and decided that like I, it just completely changes your mentality because right now we're in a bear market, right? So instead of, you know, splurging to go get a mani-pedi every single week, we're going to do that like at home. <laughs> we're going to we're going to do that at home. And because a mani-pedi once a week could cost, you know, maybe it costs like $100 now, but in a bull market, it could cost like a thousand dollars. You never know. Like if it 10Xs, for example, and that just sounds so unreasonable in my head that that's how I think about everything right now. Like it's like, how much would this cost in a bear in a bull market? How much would this cost in a bull market if it costs this much in a bear market? And then immediately I tighten up my pocket. So I, I learned to make do with what I have around me. I've developed more skills. I've actually learned how to wax myself as well, like do my own, you know, I live on on makeup like that. I refresh maybe like twice a year, whereas before I used to buy new makeup all the time. Um, I learned how to cook better because I don't want to go out to eat and spend a fortune, even though right now buying groceries is pretty on par with going out to eat. But yeah, basically, I just I sharpened my skills so that I don't have to spend as much money so that I can buy more Bitcoin. This is a common thing I've seen among Bitcoiners is that Bitcoin, instead of just being an investment decision, it ended up changing almost every single aspect of our lives, our lifestyle, how do we approach money and our own consumption model, food. Um, it's it's everything. And I'm going to play the devil's advocate here. Where How do you see the relationship between the present and future as Bitcoiners? Because um, Bitcoiners, we all huddle and we all stack sets. And we have this low time preference where we are willing to sacrifice the short term gains for delayed gratification. But how do we balance stacking sets and do whatever you can to buy Bitcoin today versus living your life today and actually go out and enjoy some of the things that you just mentioned and do spend that money? Absolutely. I think about that all the time. And so what I 
what I do is I prioritize. I think Carla from the crypto couple said it best. Like she's like, there's people who say, you know, hodl all the time, but like, just stay solvent. You know, you're not going to like stop paying your bills in order to buy Bitcoin. You're not going to like not get married and have a wedding in order to save. I mean, maybe some people will, but like in order to save Bitcoin, me personally, like I very much value uh marriage and the church and I want to have that experience with my soon-to-be husband so but so that's just me but like basically prioritize like a mani petty is and going out and whatever like just these small little things aren't as important as the bigger things that you might want to to have you know, spend your Bitcoin on. Some people see it as like a family vacation. A family vacation is an experience that you and and everybody will remember for the rest of your life. And that's worth it to some people. So I think it's it comes down to whatever is worth it to you and and whatever you prioritize. Yeah, I guess the message here is really to still think about what's important to you and Bitcoin is important, but it should it shouldn't be at the very top of the chart where everything else go under because we are stacking, we're buying Bitcoin because we want a prosperous future. Exactly. Uh, and if we cannot take care of ourselves well enough today, then where's the future? Don't just huddle Bitcoin, also huddle your your treasures memory um, yes. and to create this memory along the road and it's not all about the future it's all about it's also about the present moment and how we get to the future and then i think that's equally important for sure and Absolutely. you are you are in miami um so miami has um made many headlines for its growing crypto friendly ecosystem in the past couple of years and um they're aiming to position Miami as a leader in embracing cryptocurrency for um, for different functions. So I can imagine they've gone through lengthy effort to create the the framework, and this includes the Miami Coin, which is Miami's own equal own cryptocurrency. Growing up and living in Miami, do you think their focus on blockchain helps? build awareness around Bitcoin in the city among ordinary people. I'm going to be super honest with you, and it's no hate, no tea, no shade to Miami people, but we just don't value things like that here. People in Miami value status, going out, the social life, and I think that that's one of the reasons, honestly, that the Bitcoin conference didn't do super you know as well as we predicted it would have in Miami um I think that's why it's moving to Nashville I think that people in Nashville like maybe culturally val have different values to people in Miami and I'm not saying that people in Miami are stupid but we just don't value the same things like that's why so many people if you ask anybody on the street they're all buying ethereum they're all buying cardano they're all into crypto but they don't understand why bitcoin is important and when you explain it to them they simply don't care because what they're looking forward to is buying a lamborghini with whatever they make from crypto and that to me is so sad because a lot of Miamians, like we're Cubans, we're Venezuelans, we are from 
Nicaragua. We're from countries that went through communism and were destroyed by by not just ideology, but at least in Venezuela's case, by inflation. It seems like the privilege of not only living in the U.S., but also living in a very money-rich city like Miami has taken all of that perspective away. And so I think that, you know, whatever, they do want to do Miami coin. I don't think it's ever going to happen. I think that that was kind of like a sell the news type of gimmick that they tried to do because at that time when they announced it, it was a bull market and it was the cool thing to say and crypto was cool. But where are they right now during a bear market when people should be supposedly buying this Miami coin, right? Preparing for the bull market. They don't actually care. It's all about the talk and it's all about the how it appears and how it looks and how it sells on social media. And that to me is very sad. And it's one of the things that I hope to change by just talking to people on the street and educating them about Bitcoin. I can totally relate about Miami being a very um, luck- luxurious place for sure. Like just from a couple years of couple weeks in total there from the Bitcoin uh, Miami conference. Uh, There's so many like really great restaurants, I would have to say, like so many uh, interesting places that are just so well decorated. And you can definitely see that they've put tons of effort and thoughts into these places and they everything looks super aesthetic and including the people. If this is what you're exposed to, then this is kind of become what you care about because they're so in your face. Like you said, if everybody's buying Cardano and Ethereum, what did you think that drive the passion for cryptocurrency instead of Bitcoin in Miami? I think people are more influenced by social media than by government and politics here. And so if you go on Instagram and you see an influencer who is shilling a cryptocurrency, which, you know, whichever one it is, um, then, you know, and they have a Lambo and they have like a super perfect body and a super perfect life, then you're going to be like, damn, I want some of that perfect life. And they're going to buy into whatever they're buying into. I don't think people are interested in whether the government is backing it or not. I mean, unless you're like older, then you think about those things, because that is, again, the promise of the institution giving legitimacy to this brand new thing. But at the end of the day, I think it's more about people thinking about how it benefits them instead of how it benefits not just them, but everybody else as well. Mostly them. But mostly them. Lamborghini. The Lamborghini, bro. I don't know what it is about this Lamborghini. Everybody wants it. I mean, I know what it is. It goes, it goes, you feel like you're on a roller coaster when you ride that thing. Literally, like your the guts in your body just like come up to your neck and you're like, oh my God, like this is this is wild. But um is a Lamborghini really more important than changing the entire structure of our economy and the world? I don't think so. (laughs) As far as Bitcoiners know, Lamborghinis are overrated. Yes, correct. And and that's that's part of the thought, the thinking. um, That's part of the perception shift that happens when you become a Bitcoiner. You stop valuing 
um, all of these superficial things as much and you start valuing things like where does my meat come from is it mm-hmm. grass-fed um <laughs> exactly. how many how many steps did I get in today like it's <laughs> it really forces you to grow up and to prioritize different things um so I think that Miami has a, lo- a little bit of growing up to do in that respect and I think that there's like way too much crazy fiat money that makes it so that it's hard to see it that way and to understand that this could all be over in a second if the dollar crashes or if something like BRICS takes over the dollar. But nobody knows about that. Nobody like nobody knows what BRICS is. Nobody understands really what's going on in the world. They're just living their day-to-day life and they are consumed by other people's lives online. For the fact that people seem to get affected or be influenced from social media more than anything else is that why you're making you're you're striking to make bitcoin fun sexy and cool yes that is the whole entire thing i realized that people are not going to care about anything unless it's fun sexy cool on social media and so I thought I was looking at a lot of content that people were making and it was so serious and it had so many deep implications. And like, I love that type of content, but I know that my friends are never going to watch a video like that in their life if their life depended on it. Like they want to see Paris Fashion Week. They want to see uh, Paris Hilton. They want to see Kim Kardashian. They want to see all of these people, you know, living their life. and. And I have to somehow create that same type of formula for Bitcoin. And it's hard because Bitcoin does have very serious implications. It's hard to make Bitcoin funny, even though I give a lot of credit to memers and a lot of credit to just people on Twitter because they're funny as hell. I'm not that funny, but like it, it's it's hard to do it. And right now what I'm working on for Simply is merchandise for women where we're making shirts that say stacking sats is sexy. And I am very excited to launch that because I think if women just decide like, wow, this is a really cool T-shirt, like I'm going to look up what stacking sats even is. Oh, it's about Bitcoin. Oh, what is stacking sats? Oh, so you're saying if I buy Bitcoin now, like it's going to be worth more later and then your mentality starts to shift. Well, maybe I could buy Bitcoin now and then save the money that I was going to use to do X, Y, and Z so that I can have money later. And then you start to understand the self-custody thing and all of, you know, the, the deeper implications, but it could just start with a shirt that you thought looked cool online. It could just start with a meme that you thought was funny. And then you start to look up the deeper meaning behind all of that. But it's really important for the marketing and mass adoption of Bitcoin to make it to to let to make people level with you because they're not going to understand all of these bigger things if they don't like it on the onset. If they don't get to step one. Right. And I've checked out many of your uh, YouTube shorts interviewing pedestrians um, and and these mini little dramas that you you put together. Those are great. And what is your general impression of um, Bitcoin awareness level in Miami from your interviews with people on the street? We're not even talking about 
adoption at this point. We're talking about awareness. What is the general level? So everybody is aware of Bitcoin. I would say that 80% of the people I talk to about it roll their eyes and they're like, oh, Bitcoin. Because like Bitcoin, <laughs> I don't know why Bitcoin has this. So I mean, I do understand a little bit. Bitcoin has this association to like the bros, like the finance bros and like not like the rich finance bros, but like the scrappy ones. So 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 I think a lot of a lot of people like just like roll their eyes when they listen to Bitcoin. And I think it's obviously from ignorance and and they say it themselves. I was like, well, why don't you buy some Bitcoin? I ask a lot of people, why don't you just buy some Bitcoin? They're like, I just don't know any enough about it. And they give themselves so much self-importance. They're like, I don't know enough about it. And I'm not going to invest into something that I don't know enough about. It's like, bro. You probably also didn't don't know how an iPhone works, but you use an iPhone. You probably don't know how the Internet works. Like, let's be real. A lot of people don't understand that there's like multiple wires crossing underneath the ocean to make the Internet work. But people use the Internet anyway. So it it's. It's very interesting to see how people react to it. A lot of people get upset when I ask them, when I tell them that I'm from a YouTube channel called Simply Bitcoin, they're like, oh, I don't know anything about Bitcoin. They think I'm going to like put them on the spot. And I'm like, no, 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 like, I'm just, you know, maybe we can have a conversation and I can tell you about it. And then, you know, you could learn a little bit more about it. But I, on the, per, you know, how many people, I would say 80% of people don't know about it like they don't actually know what it is they've heard about it a lot of people like not 90 percent of people have heard about it but only 10 to 20 percent of the people that i go up to will tell me yeah i have a little bit of bitcoin and and that just like warms my heart last uh t i think today or yesterday i put up a short where i asked a bunch of women if they would allow their significant other to propose to them in a Bitcoin. And I actually got one girl who was so enthusiastic. She's like, I'll take the Bitcoin any day. And she's <laughs> and she knew about the Fed. And she I was like so surprised. I was like, this never happens. This never happens. We always say that um, Bitcoin doesn't have a marketing team. And because Bitcoin is not controlled by any company or any person. And do you think Bitcoin has a marketing problem? Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, it does. Okay. Absolutely. Yes, it does. That's exactly why I'm here. And this is why I decided to do what I do, because I do think it has a marketing problem. I think it's, you know, first of all, I think it's very exclusive where like the the big the Bitcoin maxi community, which I love very dearly and I'm very much a part of, um, is kind of hard on the rest of the public for not understanding how Bitcoin works, how self-custody works. Like if you don't do things exactly how we do them, then let's like shame on you. And I don't I don't think like we live in a in a shame based culture anymore. I think people just like walk away and they're like, all right, we're I'm done with Bitcoin. Um, and and that's a marketing problem in and of itself. But more than that, Bitcoin is hard to understand for a lot of people. It's difficult to understand that the banks have been stealing from you. It's difficult to understand that, you know, I mean, all the technical aspect 
And it's difficult to like the learning curve on self-custody and how, you know, sending the like the the Bitcoin with the long address and whatever, like it's all a learning curve. And all of that makes it more difficult for people to adopt Bitcoin where if you just, you know, open a bank account and have a Visa card and you tap wherever you're going, like, boom, you're done. Like you're, you've just transacted and it's super, super easy and it's very convenient. But people forget that at first credit cards weren't all that convenient. There was this little like, I, like if, thing. And yeah, you this, to, like, yeah, you had to like go like this and it would mark the thing like and people said it would never catch on. And then the technology just got better and better and better. So two things, I think that as techno as lightning and as apps like Cash App and, you know, other platforms make it easier to transact in Bitcoin. I think that adoption is going to become a lot more feasible. That in itself is a marketing strategy. And um, the more Bitcoin becomes integrated in the culture, that is also going to make people want to to buy bitcoin and then the third and most important thing that will make people love bitcoin is when it goes up when it goes up people are going to be like oh my god i need to buy this stuff this is going to go up forever blah blah i understand it now it's like all of a sudden when people when it's successful everybody wants to join in and it's happened the last two bull runs and it's incredible to me how short people's memories are because it's happened the last two bull runs and you ask people on the street today and they're like, oh, no, I don't I, I, I don't buy Bitcoin. That stuff is a scam. I tend to agree that Bitcoin has a marketing problem to the point that just like you said, a lot of the content we see in this space are highly technical. They're very much around what's been happening in the society today, which a lot of it is very depressing and stressful. And as um individual like i'm for the longest time i thought i thought i have nothing to do with bitcoin because i thought it's something that's really technical that's really geeky that's very mathy and is a little bit dodgy as well and i never really associated myself with bitcoin because of these stereotypes I have for Bitcoin. I, I know that I'm not the only one. One specific short that you did and you asked this owner at the wake shop just next to the Bitcoin ATM and he said, I, I feel like I'm too stupid to understand Bitcoin. And that's not true. And you prove you proved him wrong. But this is telling us that when people think of Bitcoin, they think about the wrong stereotypes. And the, the stereotypes are formed with the information they do get access to in their own circle, either that's mainstream media or that's social media. How do you think we can change change the stereotype of Bitcoin to make it a little bit more accessible for people who are not yet into technology or economics? Be kind and patient with people. Smile. Literally, like, try to be a nicer person because... You know, there's things that other people know that you might not know about. Um, and and you always have to be humble like that. That saying stay humble, stack sats like the stay humble part has kind of been lost on people because they they want to they think that they're the smartest person in the room by telling you how to do something that, you know, might not work out for somebody else. 
I think what I think is as long as we're all buying Bitcoin, we're all on the same side. There's no reason to put somebody down. There's no reason to make somebody feel bad or feel stupid. If it wasn't for Nichols' very aggressive approach to orange pill you, it probably would have taken you longer to get orange pilled. It's true. And, and how, where do we draw the line of being rather toxic in the sense that we're really, really trying to drill this information in your head to speed up the process versus be kind and allow people to take their time and um, uh, approach it in a softer direction. It's not so much about being softer. It's about being kinder. So, so Nico never made me feel stupid. Nico never made me feel like I wasn't good enough to understand this stuff. And he was very patient. Again, it took two years. <laughs> so for me to really like make it click. And like I said, people go at their own pace. And if it, it's hard enough accepting that the whole world is against you and that these institutions have been screwing us over all along. And that's the part of the truth that is the very hard pill to swallow. And when I mean like he was like very firm about it, it means that like he wasn't like, okay, well, maybe fiat is kind of good. Like, no, it was it was like, no, like, let me tell you about this and this and this and this and that. You can be firm on your stance while also practicing kindness. You can be you can stand firm in your beliefs while also not putting the other person down or making them feel stupid. So and you can be patient with people like they're not going to do everything that you're going to the, the way that you're going to do it the first time around, but it, and it takes time. It takes time for people to come around. So just be patient, be kind and stay firm in your beliefs. And do you believe everyone can be orange pilled? Absolutely. I orange pilled my grandma the other day. Oh yeah. And how did you do that? Um, I explained to her like with a lot of patience and a lot of kindness <laughs> how it works, you know, and, and, and people, here's the thing, like people will come back at you aggressively. Um, and they'll be like, but if this and this and that, then this and this and that framed in a question, whatever. Um, and you explain to them like step by step with clear rhetoric, this is how you do it. And that's part of standing firm in your beliefs when you really believe in something explaining things clearly like you would to a five-year-old comes easily so because you've thought about it for so much that that that's basically how you do it so if if you could do it to you know your grandmother you can explain bitcoin to a child you can explain bitcoin to anybody who's just willing to listen stay curious ask questions and if you're willing to be patient and explain to them like and stay firm in like what what it is that you're explaining to them anybody can be orange pilled well we'll see about um warren buffett in that case well warren buffett has his own interests <laughs> he has his own interests <laughs> i don't think true. he's yeah. stupid i think he knows that bitcoin is awesome and i think that he has set um he has a set of beliefs that don't allow him to admit that he has been part of the machine that has been screwing people over. I mean, it's a very tough thing to accept. And so I don't blame Warren Buffett. I would also probably do things to protect my interests too if I was like 85 years old. 
even if it's not the right thing to do. But I think he knows. A lot of people know. This guy, the SEC, uh, the SEC chair or whatever, Gary Gensler, the guy who's trying to like stop the Bitcoin ETF from happening. He was a Bitcoin bro, I found out yesterday from doing the live stream. These girls were explaining to me that they, he was a Bitcoin bro. He was totally for it. But guess what? He worked for Goldman Sachs and Goldman Sachs gave him the money and the life that he has now. And guess what he's doing? He got tapped on the shoulder by the people at Goldman and they said, uh-uh-uh, you're not going to talk about Bitcoin you're going to talk about why Bitcoin is bad and why crypto is bad because crypto has screwed over a lot of people and people like to conflate the two. So that's also actually something I didn't mention about the marketing problem. One of the biggest marketing problems we have is that Bitcoin is conflated with crypto. So, yeah. A long way to go, hey? <laughs> a long way to go. We have a long way to go, but hey. <laughs> You know what? The truth eventually comes out. And I believe that Bitcoin is the truth. Mm -hmm. So we just got to we just got to wait. Eventually, the truth comes out on everything, especially in an Internet uh, standard culture. The truth always comes out. And you just said unless something catastrophic happens, there's no way people are going to change. And what does it look like? It's it's what do you think it will look like? for that process to happen like what kind of things need to happen because we're already seeing bank runs we're already seeing banks collapse and if if people get educated on the current monetary system we'll very quickly realize that this is a house of cards and we're very very close to the breaking the the breaking point what do you think it will look like I think it's going to come in the form of not just a housing crisis, but a currency crisis. It's going to come in the form of hyperinflation and people not being able to pay for their groceries. They're not going to be able to pay for anything. And eventually they're going to realize, why can't I pay for this? I am making two, three to five thousand dollars a month. Why isn't this enough money? This used to be enough money. I did all of the things that they told me to do. I went to college. I have a hundred thousand dollars, like a, a year job. I'm part of the 1%. Why am I not able to afford things? Yeah. Then it's going to hit them. And that like people think that it's like catastrophe in the sense of like a national, a, a natural disaster or something like in the 2008 financial crisis. I mean, personally, I think that we're very near there because people, again, like can't afford things. But it really the catastrophe is the realization that you can't trust these institutions. You can't trust the government. You can't trust anybody. Um and that is very demoralizing. That'll make people commit crimes. That'll uh, lead people to, you know, suicide, to, to just do things that are catastrophic. And that's when you realize, wow, like, what is it that needs to change? And I think that it starts with the money, because as Nico has said, it's the base layer of foundation. If the money is broken, everything else cannot function. You can't have an uncorrupted church. You can't have an uncorrupted education system. You can't have an uncorrupted uh, entertainment industry. 
because the money is so broken and people just want more and more of it and they're only looking out for themselves because again they can't afford anything yeah, and that's, that's not their true. fault and that's not their fault that's like the thing that people like also need to understand it's not your fault that these parameters have been in place but the th- the good news is that you can do something about it so buy some bitcoin <laughs> totally and what i've realized over the years is that to do if you already know what you're going to do then it's the rest is easy because you just do it but the hardest thing is actually figure out what are you doing <laughs> like yes. how do you when you feel lost is actually when you don't know what you want and you don't know how to get there and then when you do know then the rest is just execution and then if you want this thing enough then you have enough internal motivation to help you push through the process and in the fiat system the mass, the vast majority of people, and Bitcoiners included, it's just we experience this process earlier than the rest of the people, is that we realize that we, we have to let our ego aside and just accept that we've been tricked and we've been manipulated in this debased system and have the courage to say, okay, I was tricked and now I need to look into something else rather than leaving in that denial. And I think a lot of people will eventually go through this process and a lot of people may not be able to set their ego aside to the point that they can get around it. So they will continue to live in this not denial and defend the system even if they're not the head of Golden Sachs or something. Just yeah. because they... they it's more painful for them to admit that they've been tricked than finding a new solution. Yeah, there is something that a life coach told me a really long time ago that has always stuck with me. And it's that people will do more to avoid pain than to experience pleasure. So accepting and putting your ego aside is extremely painful and you as like like from your animal brain are going to do more to avoid feeling like that than to actually put your ego aside and do what you have to do to make a better tomorrow um and that's part of the catastrophe that I was talking about earlier like that is one of the things that I experienced that was very difficult it was so hard to put my ego aside and to be like Nico you were right I understand what you were trying to tell me now. I get it. Um, But people who seek the truth and people who seek progress are always going to do their best to put their ego aside and to do what's best for not just them, but their families. I've orange pilled my parents. I've orange pilled, like I said, my grandma, my aunts, my cousins. I mean, my cousins already knew because they again, they experienced their own catastrophe in Venezuela and they understood from a very young age how money works and why Bitcoin is important. Um, and that's why, in a way, I think that these underdeveloped countries and countries that are going through a lot of economic strife like Argentina are going to understand Bitcoin and adopt it a lot quicker than countries like the United States and in Europe, where we are so privileged to, at this moment in time, be number one. You ask people all of these questions on the street and in the Bitcoin conferences, asking Bitcoiners. So I'm going to reflect some of these questions back to you. Uh, one of the questions is, what is your most controversial Bitcoin take? 
So my most controversial Bitcoin take, the reason I asked this question was because at BitBlockBoom, I saw Bob Burnett give a talk about um, an issue that Bitcoin has. I don't know if it's like a very bad issue, but it is, um, I wouldn't even call it a problem. It's just something that is. And it's that not only is there a scarce amount of Bitcoin, there's only 21 million, but there's also a scarce amount of block space. So the amount of transactions on a high level that the block space can handle day by day is around, like, I think he said 230 million there are 300 million companies around the world and there are 8 billion people in the world. So what does that mean? That the base layer of Bitcoin isn't going to be able to sustain all of these transactions, which is why more and more lightning is becoming so crucial. But on a bigger scale, what he is implying, like what this situation implies is that not everybody is going to be able to have self-custody. So when you explain it like that, the things that orange pilled me, that made me believe like, wow, we really need this. I'm not going to ask anybody for permission. I'm going to be whatever. Like that issue of nobody being able to take away your Bitcoin, that issue is eventually still going to stay, even on a Bitcoin standard, because not everybody is going to be able to have their own Bitcoin in self-custody. It is going to be impossible. People are going to be borrowing, essentially, essentially the people who have Bitcoin in self-custody now have become the banks. And the only difference between the banks now and the banks of the future is that we can't print more money. We can't print more Bitcoin. So it's definitely progress, but it's not like this utopian solution that we are making in our brains. It's actually a lot more complicated. So if anything, that should make people react with urgency to buy their Bitcoin and have it in self-custody. It is not just wealth from here to 10 years. It is generational wealth. Look at a show like Yellowstone. Look at the, the 1883, 1923 shows. Nico and I are obsessed with that show, by the way. These people have owned like 50,000 acres of land in Montana, and they have still had that land because nobody has been able to take it away from them. And the land has been scarce. More people want the land. More people are going to try to take it away from you, but you own it. So get your plot of land while you can and and don't buy it from the future banks. Yeah, but even not everybody's going to be able to self-custody their Bitcoin, at least in that system, the system is not rigged. The system Correct. is not debased. It takes for everybody to realize the fiat system is very different from what we thought it was and why we are in this together no matter where you are. Yes. On a fundamental level, these banks don't have the right to make money for free that you have to work for, right? So... In the future, yes, like you might still have the system where you have to where some people will know where your Bitcoin is. You don't have self-custody, whatever. But but these banks, these Bitcoin holders will not be able to defraud you by making more yeah. out of thin air. 
So, you know, and maybe maybe that stabilizes over time, but the amount of transactions that the base layer can hold is definitely it's an issue. <laughs> what is your favorite Bitcoin meme? My favorite Bitcoin meme? Yo, I had to think about this and <laughs> I thought about it in the context of um, the Bitcoin conference art gallery. And I was between two of them, but I think this is my favorite one. I love the the roller coaster, the Bitcoin on a roller coaster. That's my favorite one. Oh my god, that's my favorite too. That's my that's the best one. That's the best one. It is so cute and it goes up and it goes down and they they sell this one piece of art where like you can change the position of the so like you can you can put it on the bottom if you're like in a bear market, you can put it on the top if you're in the bull market. So, I mean, I like that because when you're down, it reminds you, it gives you hope that there's always a way up. Yeah. And when you're on the top, it gives you a reality check that it doesn't last forever. It's going to come down. So mm -hmm. just, you know, don't go crazy. Yeah. Don't go buying seven Lambos. <laughs> Another reason why I love it so much is because of the smiley face the Bitcoin has on the roller coaster. It means that Bitcoin doesn't care. Not ultimately, it's not about the price. It's like your the Bitcoin is like slow dancing in a burning room, and it doesn't care if there's ups and downs. And regardless, we're gonna live through this with a smile on our face because we know we're on the right track. Like this is like my favorite part of the meme as well. Yes, you're on the mission to make Bitcoin fun, sexy, and cool. Do you think there's a difference between these three elements: fun, sexy, and and cool? Yes. So <laughs> fun means like experiential enjoyment. So, you know, don't make Bitcoin annoying. Don't make it hard to understand. Make it something that is a fun experience. Like, for for example, the other day I was watching Bitcoin Kindergarten. Shout out to Opti and Wine. And um, they have a scan, a QR code where you can you can scan the QR code and for like you know, whatever amount of sats you want to uh, contribute, it could literally be a couple of cents. You can pull up a, a message. And Nico and I were having a blast just like to, to joking around with them. And they are a great example of Bitcoin being fun, a great experience. Thunder, the the gaming uh, app also does this. They have all of these games and you can earn sats for playing the games. That is fun. It's an, it's a good, positive, joyful experience. Now, cool is the social media aspect that I was talking about before. How do you make Bitcoin cool? You, you know, maybe start highlighting the fact that like you can travel the world and, you know, you, you make a travel vlog and you're like, I had all, I, like, let me tell you about how I crossed five different countries with um, X amount of money by just memorizing a couple of words in my head. Like, that's cool. That's innovative. That's really wow. Like, let me tell you how I don't own a credit card, but I can still use the tap system with my phone or with with the uh, there's like these little stickers or whatever that you can use to send Bitcoin. That's the technology innovation part of it. Also combining it with ex with a good experience. And then the sexy part is like, bro, we need more girls. We need more. We need more like good looking, like influential people in Bitcoin. Like we just do. Like they are. They are the spokespeople. They are the people that are going to make it so that 
other people are like, wow, I want to buy that. Like when you go to a store and you see this beautiful girl with the makeup is perfect, whatever, and she's holding this tiny little purse. I want that little purse because she looks sexy as hell. I want to look sexy like her. Um, and so, and so that is like, you know, more of a, a marketing part of it. But I think that the three of them are very important. Um, and that is going to take Bitcoin to the next level when it comes to adoption, because a lot of people want to believe that just on principle alone, people will adopt Bitcoin. But again, that's going to take catastrophe. And I personally don't want everybody to have to buy Bitcoin at their lowest point. I would like to get people to buy Bitcoin before we reach that level. So if you make Bitcoin fun, sexy, cool, you maybe, just maybe, you have a hope that people will adopt Bitcoin before we get to that very dark place. With your effort creating fun and sexy, cool Bitcoin content, do you see any specific demographics or group of people that you believe will be particularly important to target when trying to uh, make Bitcoin fun, sexy, and cool? And how do you approach uh, engaging with these audience? Young women. Young women are my number one demographic because um, most women in the world, a lot of people don't know this, but a lot of, uh, I think like, I don't know, it's like some absurd number of women in the world are unbanked. They don't even have a bank account because they let their husbands manage all of the finance. Um, but women are the ones who do all of the purchasing and they are the main demographic when products are are making their marketing plan. They target women. So I'm targeting women because they're the ones that have the voice and the power and the purchasing like stick in the household. And I think that on a grander scale, even if they're not part of a traditional family, if they're a single mom, if they're, you know, some a widow, someone who doesn't have a man in their life, it is extremely empowering to have your own Bitcoin and to be able to have something that is hard money, a hard investment that nobody can take away from you. And so the way that I approach women about this is like, we want to empower you. We want you to have this piece of information so that you can have something in the future to call your own. If you become part of this, you are going to become part of something bigger than just, you know, a mutual fund investment or an IRA or whatever. This is generational wealth that you're setting up for not just yourself, but your kids or your pet, whatever, like whoever you want to leave that money to. Um, it is it is money that nobody can take away from you for the first time ever. Working on the front line of uh, making it making Bitcoin on the entertaining side and cultural side. Do you see anyone else in the space already doing this in their own formats? Anyone you want to shout out? Absolutely. Absolutely. I love I mean, I love what Nico and Opti are doing on Simply Bitcoin. Of course, they're like my number one in my heart and in my soul. Um, <laughs> I also think, um, honestly, the crypto couple are my favorite content creators in Bitcoin. They are so incredible, so funny. Their production, they understand fun, sexy, cool. Mm -hmm. They understand oh, it to the core because they're hilarious. Their skits are so good. Um, I look forward to working with them sometime in the future if they want because they're they are thespians. They are so professional on every single front of what they do that I... 
I, I they're my favorite content creators um, in Bitcoin. And also um, Isabella from the Bitcoin magazine. She is incredible. I love the way that she makes her videos covering the news. Um, Bitcoin um, BTC sessions. Ben is like the best tutorial person in the game. Um, so there's a lot of people who are trying to make Bitcoin fun, sexy, cool. And um, I mean, especially like even BTC sessions, like for it being a tutorial, like he makes it fun and cool and like entertaining and enjoyable to watch the tutorial. So, yeah, these these are some of my favorite creators right now. Love it. Um, yeah, I love all of the all of the mentions here. And do you have any advice for Bitcoin content creators out there? How can we blend pop culture and trends with Bitcoin and make Bitcoin content that's both entertaining and engaging enough to inspire curiosity? Skits are are one way to go. I love when Bitcoiners make skits. Oh, I love like things like what Yellow does, like making something completely original and like making this little like pop that like goes everywhere or whatever um so be original but also like hop on trends that you don't think like you know people would think about bitcoin and make like jam bitcoin into it it's called culture jamming for a reason so like have a conversation about these trends because more often than not you will be surprised how it relates back to bitcoin how do you imagine for the future of bitcoin culture Bitcoin is going to be funding the culture. So similarly to how fiat funded um, the culture in the past and uh, motivated people to do certain things and created incentives, I think Bitcoin is going to create different incentives, incentives based on stronger morals and the truth. So instead of, you know, Maybe back in the day, like with the Me Too movement, somebody had to sleep with a producer or a director in order to get a role. Nowadays, it's like, no, it's based on proof of work. Like you have to actually show up and know your stuff and know whatever to prove yourself in an industry. And I think that Bitcoin is going to incentivize the culture to shift in a more uh, morally upright direction. I'll circle back on the proof of work point. And you mentioned at the very beginning that there's a huge difference between Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies in the fundamentals of proof of work versus proof of stake. So in your opinion, what are the difference of the two and why people should care about proof of work and not proof of stake? Because proof of work is the truth and proof of stake is uh, perception. It's like telling the difference between a fact and an opinion. Everybody can have an opinion and whoever is the most popular has the most strong opinion, right? But a fact is a fact, whether you're strong, weak, poor, uh, rich, whatever. When you state a fact, it's true because it's based on empirical evidence, not because you want something to look a certain way or to uh, appeal to a certain type of person. Like, no, proof of work is proof of work. It is the truth. It is there. It is like when you solve a math problem and you see all of the steps that someone took to get to their answer versus, you know, 
copying the other person and putting whatever they put down because that's the smartest kid in the class. And your videos, of course, serve a great touch point. They may not think about it today in a serious way and they're like getting a laugh out of it and it's entertaining for them. But something would have stayed because they've watched a whole content that's interesting to them. So there's great value and great, very, very powerful um, in the long run to help people move on with their lives um, with Bitcoin. So uh, having said that, how do we cl stay close to your work? You guys can follow me on Simply Bitcoin TV. Um, that is where all of my short format content for Bitcoin is posted. I also have a personal page that has nothing to do with Bitcoin. It's my music and like TikTok page, which is Internet Sophie. You can also follow me at Internet Sophie on Twitter and on Instagram and all platforms. It's Internet Sophie. Thanks a lot, Sophie, for, for joining us today. Um, we'll be for sure to slay close to your work through Simply Bitcoin and all of the amazing covers you do on Twitter. Thank you so much for having me, Vivian. If you like this content, please like, subscribe to the channel and like the video. Um, I'm your host, Vivian Chain. Thanks, Sophie, again for joining today and we'll see you in another episode.